Saints, it is uh, customary uh, for me on this Sunday to give somewhat of a visionary uh, message from God's Word for us to keep in mind this year. We have uh, just recently completed about a seven-month series on the book of 1 John. So I'm going to direct you to a different passage uh, this morning. And this is a passage that I'd really like for us to keep in mind this year uh, ahead of us. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn or scroll to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to flash up uh, two other verses as you're doing that. Uh, This is the verse that for this past year I had kept before you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God... And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I really was zealous for us to pursue the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Our walk with the Lord, enjoying his presence, slowing down, getting to know him better, fellowshipping with him. I'll develop this a little later on, but I want to give you the verse that I'd like for you to keep in mind this year. The singular verse which is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. The early church kept it very, very simple. You will recall they were always on the run. Um, They kept it simple. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we would call the Word of God, Fellowship, the fellowship, the fellowship, the fellowship of believers in Jesus Christ. The breaking of bread and prayer. If you remember last Sunday, we, when we talked about assurance of our salvation, we actually talked about these four elements. But our passage this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, this is, by the way, my wife's favorite passage, the first few verses. Blessed be the God, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be comfort, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Stop there for a moment. That's the Apostle Paul. We were so 
utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So this passage has really become special to me the last month or two as we've studied it on Tuesday mornings in our men's study. And we're going to look at this passage through this lens. Three little, like a little progression. The first one is that God is near in our afflictions. And if you have lived life, if you're alive, if you have a pulse, you know you have afflictions. We'll develop it further that God ministers to his people through his people. God ministers to his people through his people. And we'll bring it to this climax that God ministers to his people through his people who are living in fellowship with one another. That's kind of the punchline. And uh, we'll obviously have that on the screen as well. But speaking of which, I'd like to direct your attention to the screen uh, to take a look at this video. Well, I'd like to look at our passage this morning through the lens of the progression that I mentioned earlier. The progression we'll highlight is designed to underscore one very important element, and that is discipleship. So let's examine our passage in light of the progression we mentioned earlier. In light of our first premise. That God is near in our afflictions. God is near in our suffering, in our afflictions, in our grief, and even, yes, of course, in persecution. So we must first state the obvious. This passage is all about affliction and suffering. That is what Paul is speaking to. We live in a generation that romanticizes the Christian life and promises health and wealth and happiness. We appreciate the Lord's blessings, but we know That we are not promised an easy life. We are not promised a life that is free of challenges and difficulties and trials of different kinds. The Puritans put it so well in their treatment of Romans 8. That our suffering prepares us for glory. Just as Christ... For the joy set before him endured the cross and suffered the shame. So we must face suffering on our way 
to glory. But it is exactly there in our suffering, in our afflictions, that the beauty emerges from this passage. Notice the connect in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. That's the connect. There is suffering and there is also comfort. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, this is a remarkable statement regarding life in general, but specifically the gospel itself and what we can expect. Verse 29 says this, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The Christian life will include suffering most often specifically for the sake of the gospel and our testimony. We know that we live in a fallen world and we suffer trials and griefs of many kinds, but the Christian should expect kickback and persecution. Paul says not only has it been granted to us to believe in Jesus, but also a privilege to suffer for him. But this is precisely what Paul is speaking to. Now I want you to see this. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is God? What is he like? He says, The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's our God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is not aloof. He is not far. He is not detached. He is not removed from our sufferings, even when we feel in the moment that that is the case. Far from it. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all of our affliction. Who comforts us in all of our sufferings. He actively ministers to us to support us in our many trials. Take your Bibles again and turn to Acts chapter 14. This is a remarkable passage, well worth our attention as we tie this in, 
We're looking at Paul's testimony in, in 2 Corinthians 1. We're looking at his teaching. But now I want you to see how Luke captures what Paul's life looked like. Acts chapter 14. And we'll pick it up in verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds... They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So when Paul speaks about his afflictions, note what he's speaking to. For the sake of the gospel, Paul was stoned so badly that they just assumed he was dead. But such was not the case. But when the disciples, verse 20, gathered about him, this is so Paul, he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. So Paul, being left for dead, rises up so he can do it all over again. But look at verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. Do you see the connect there? You preach the gospel, you make disciples. We're honing in on discipleship. So they went in, they preached the gospel, people responded, they made disciples. They returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. Now watch verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. How did they do that? Encouraging them to continue in the faith. Why would they need to do that? Well, there's lots of reasons. But the top one was persecution. There was a lot of kickback and a price to be paid for following Christ. So Paul, speaking from experience, says, stay with the faith. Do not depart. Do not give up. We signed up for this. And I know it because I was literally just stoned almost to death. But watch what he says. Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Suffering prepares us for glory. Paul saw suffering as a necessary path on our way to glory, to entering the kingdom. So this idea of suffering is hard-baked into the gospel. We must not mislead people to think that when they become a Christian, life will be easy without any problems and they'll get rich overnight. The opposite is often true. Sometimes we lose everything for the sake of the gospel. Let's not skip over verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had 
believed. On this day, when we have our annual business meeting, when we affirm elders and deacons, we're following the pattern given to us in the book of Acts. In every church, having a multiplicity of elders. So we have it established that our lives will include affliction, suffering, and various types of trials. But we are not alone. God is near. He is with us to comfort and support. Now let's continue to develop the truths in this passage through the progression that we have identified previously. Back to our second point. God ministers to his people through his people. Go back to verse 4 in 2 Corinthians 1. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That is beautiful. And that is profound. Paul says that God comforts us so that we in turn can comfort other people. But we do it in the most beautiful way because really we're speaking our own testimony that God was faithful to me in my trial, in my difficulty. And I know he will not leave you either. With the same comfort that God has given us, we then comfort other people. Look at verse 6. Notice how Paul views his own suffering. He views his own suffering as an opportunity to encourage and support other people who are facing Difficulty. Verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. What does he mean? Well, as I suffer regularly for the gospel, Paul says, I will ultimately be able to deliver to you the comfort that God has given me when you yourselves comfort, uh, suffer as well. The net result is verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul had such confidence that even as these believers suffered for the sake of the gospel, the same comfort that God gave Paul, God would give them. And we can say by extension, as we face difficulty for the sake of our testimony, especially, God will comfort us. Now, let us not understate the degree of suffering that Paul is speaking to because you might think to yourself, well, that's fine. Paul can say what he wants, but nobody knows what I myself have been suffering through. 
Surely what I have experienced, the raw deal in life that I have been dealt, is far worse than anyone else. In fact, it's difficult for me to adequately convey the nature of Paul's suffering, the depth of his suffering, because I'm just telling you what he says. But he gives us a hint, verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. So now he's being specific on what he has faced. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life. Saints, you will often find that the trials you find yourself in are often far beyond your ability to figure out or to power through on your own strength. That's the depth that Paul was speaking to. We despaired of life. Here is the apostle to the Gentile world saying we despaired of our own life. And if that's not direct enough, he continues, verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. We felt in ourselves That we had received the sentence of death. We thought we were dead people. We thought there was no hope, no way out, no recovery from what we were suffering. This was serious. So I want you to feel what Paul is expressing These were not minor inconveniences. We thought we were dead men. No hope. But God. Now we begin to look at discipleship and growth. Notice how Paul continues in verse 9. But that, speaking of the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely or trust not on ourselves, but on God. Paul saw a purpose in his suffering, and that purpose was to learn to trust God more deeply. And indeed, I would argue that that is a key component of discipleship, learning to trust God more deeply. This is what we see all throughout scripture. Proverbs chapter three, turn with me if you would to Proverbs chapter three, right almost in the middle of your Bible. In fact, I'll start us in chapter 1, verse 7. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want knowledge, if you want to grow in wisdom, reverence God before anything else. Familiar territory, chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Such beauty. What we are called to do as followers of Christ is learn to trust him more deeply every single day. You know, this weekend, uh, we are saying goodbye to Jim and Ruth Edens. They have been with us for quite a while. I had the pleasure of speaking with Jim on the phone uh, about a week ago. I was so encouraged by what Jim had to say. The purpose of them moving to Florida is actually a a, a series of really difficult situations that they've been faced with. It has not been pleasant. And he's spoken openly about this to many of us. But as he was talking, as we talked on the phone, he kept coming back to a very central premise, which was this. I am going to trust God in all of this. Ruth and I are going to trust God in ways that we have not before. He said, you know, God knew this was an area that I needed to grow in. So he gave me a set of really impossible situations that were beyond my control. So really I had nothing to do but to trust him. But I am resolved to trust him as we move to Florida this week. And that's the essence he told me about his colleague at work. He, he had his last day of work about a week ago or so. And they've come to really love him and appreciate him. And he took one of the believers who was in the shop. And he said, listen. He gave him a devotional. He said, I want you to take this. And I want you to read it. You have got to say, stay anchored in God's word. And in God's truth. He said, expect for the enemy to come and attack, to discourage. Stay strong in the Lord. Kind of like passing the baton to the next guy when he himself moved. But what Jim was sharing in the middle of such difficult situations that's prompting a life change for them. I, he said, am resolved to trust God in the midst of it all. So let's tie all this together. I've always loved this passage and I focused on God's ministry of comforting us. I've always loved that. God is so close and so near. I love the fact that he comforts us in and through his people. 
But I think that last part deserves a bit of a shout out this morning because that's really what has struck me afresh in the past month or so. So let's look at our third premise. God is near in our afflictions. God ministers to his people through his people who are living in fellowship with one another. God ministers to his people through his people as we live in proximity and fellowship shoulder to shoulder with one another. This emerged as a big takeaway for me through this passage. For all their dysfunctionality in Corinth, they were doing life together. Fellowship is a key concept in Paul's letters to the Corinthians. They were in fellowship and they were rubbing shoulders together. They were collectively moving away from their pagan past, learning to establish themselves as a Christian community following Christ. But how could they comfort one another, as Paul says, if they didn't know one another? You see, they knew one another. They were rubbing shoulders together. They were aware of the problems that the other person was facing, the challenges. How else could they comfort them? How else could they minister to one another? You see, what Paul is focusing on here is a ministry of encouragement and support and comfort when we need it the most. And you cannot do that if you don't know one another or if you're not with one another. Even at a distance, verse 11, Paul entreated them through his personal relationship with them for them to pray for him. Again, what was the emphasis in all of this? Trust God. Grow in your trust in the Lord each and every day as you face seemingly impossible trials that are beyond your ability to figure out or even to endure. They did it together. That is what healthy discipleship looks like. Living life shoulder to shoulder, involved in one another's lives, involved in the messiness of our lives, supporting, knowing one another, rolling up our sleeves and being there for one another. And that consistently throughout the New Testament is where growth occurs the best, is when we do it together. It is no secret. The last two years have been extraordinarily difficult. We don't all agree on how we should respond to or live in light of COVID, even now. But one thing is for certain. 
It has separated us. It has created distance. Thankfully, for the most part, we're recouping that and living and serving together as we did before. But I ask you a question. If you have a problem, who do you turn to? If you have questions, do you have someone to go to? Saints, as we kind of begin to look forward to another ministry year, another school year starting after the summer, Let us regularly gather together to worship and to rub shoulders on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. I recognize that some viewing uh, virtually this morning for various reasons cannot come or don't feel that you can come in person yet. But for you, I implore you and I encourage you Find ways, as Tim reminds us virtually every week, to connect with one another. Phone calls, meeting outside, all of those types of things. But let us learn to trust the Lord more deeply together. The together part requires, as much as is possible, proximity. And time and prioritizing walking all of this out together, Bible studies, personal meetups, all of those types of things. That is the burden that I bring this morning. That is what I am praying for the elders as well for the months ahead that we would truly deepen our unity, that our fellowship would become richer and richer that we would grow in our walk with Christ through engaging one another in whatever setting is available to us. I commend this quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the best teaching in the world is useless unless the Holy Spirit takes hold of it and applies it and opens our understanding to it and gives it a deep lodging in our whole being. I'll say it again. The best teaching in the world is useless unless the Holy Spirit takes hold of it and applies it and opens our understanding to it and gives it a deep lodging A deep lodging place in our whole being. That is, when we see the truth of God, when we hear the truth, we read the truth, we're reminded of the truth, or we learn the truth, embrace it with our whole being. Saints, my prayer for us this year is that we would grow together in fellowship Therefore, encouraging, admonishing, supporting, praying for, uh, serving one another. So the verse to highlight for this year. 
how did the early disciples do it? How did they flesh it out? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's my highlight there for the word fellowship. They devoted themselves. They were completely given to the apostles' teaching. You can read the word of God. They read it. They studied it. They studied it alone. They studied it together. They meditated on it. True Christian fellowship, relationship building, sharing one another's burdens, bearing with one another. The breaking of bread and prayers. The astute listener will recall that that's precisely what we ended with last Sunday. When we spoke about the assurance of our salvation. When we practice these things, when we are intentional about practicing these basic Christian uh, disciplines, if you will, our assurance grows. But listen, when you read the book of Acts, this was the backbone of the church. They were praying people. They were aware of God's word. They had the intent to know it and to obey it. They gathered regularly for worship, for fellowship, and of course the breaking of bread. We call it communion. So saints, I commend this passage to you. The reality of suffering The truth that God is always near. Remember the Great Commission. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, he said in Hebrews. But he said, I am with you even until the end of the age. Let us be intentional in whatever setting we find ourselves in. To connect with one another meaningfully. To engage in Bible study Together, processing things that we're learning and serving alongside one another and spending time with one another. And let us, for those who are coming on Sunday mornings in person, let us prioritize that each and every Sunday. And if you're watching online, to do the same online. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. As you let this message settle in, this is a beautiful, beautiful passage that gives us such hope and encouragement. I want to leave you with that question. Is your fellowship with one another, is it rich? Is it helpful? Are you offering yourself to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? We are not designed to do the Christian life by ourselves. In whatever ways you can, look for ways to connect meaningfully and to fellowship 
with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've heard us talk about the hope of the gospel this morning. Every Sunday we make it very clear. The beauty and the simplicity of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. That yes, we are by nature and decision sinners. The Bible says we are enemies of God. And the wrath of God abides on us. God's gracious provision is his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who suffered on the cruel Roman cross. Was killed. Not because of his own sins, but he died in the place of sinners. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in Jesus. Abandon your own efforts to try to figure this out yourself or do as many good works as you can. But turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and take him as your Savior. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. For the hope of the gospel. We don't need to be told that there is suffering in the world. And there is certainly suffering as we follow you. Opposition, criticism, cancel culture, all of those things. Oh Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened in our very soul. To keep pressing forward. To remain in your truth. To stand on your truth. To even be willing to suffer for the truth of your word. Which is not complicated. And it doesn't change from generation to generation. Oh Lord I pray. That in the context of the church with a capital C all around the world. That Durwood Bible Church would be that place. Where we can be open with one another. That we prioritize our relationships. That we support one another. The gifts that God has given us. That we use them. To support one another. And oh Lord our prayer is that. If there is anyone in the sound of my voice today. Or even in the future. Who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That today would be the day of their salvation. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.